Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. From wherever you are around the world, around the world, welcome to the Circle of Insight. A show that explores the many facets of human behavior and the wonders of the human mind. And now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome, everyone. Well, today we have a very interesting interview. We're going to learn about wolves. And who's going to help us out? Dr. David Meach. He's a senior research scientist with the U.S. Geological Evolution and Behavior at the University of Minnesota. He is also the founder of the International Wolf Center. So let me repeat that. I'll edit that last part out. He's also the founder of the International Wolf Center. So we're going to learn a lot about wolves today, and let's not waste any more time, and let's get started. Welcome, Doctor. Well, thank you. This is so interesting. I mean, everybody's always had a fascination with wolves um, for some reason, one reason or another, and they seem to be interchangeable in the sense of how people view them whether they view them as a predator in a negative light uh, or sometimes view them as a positive, a sign of strength and resilience and whatnot. Uh, first of all, what got you interested in wolves? Well, as a, as a teenager, I was a fur trapper. Actually, I still am a bit. But um, I, as a fur trapper, I was always interested in carnivores, animals that had to hunt and, and eat other animals for a living. Uh, foxes and mink and that type of thing. And uh, when I had a chance to, uh, actually I was given a chance to study wolves for my uh, graduate work. And I jumped at the chance and started the project that's uh, on Isle Royal in Lake Superior. Oh, fascinating. And then the wolves kind of went from there. Very well, nice. from there, yeah, then I actually... Uh, that was just that was in uh, like 1958 to 1962, oh, wow. and soon after that, wolves were put on the federal endangered species list. Uh, that was in 1967, and um, my having just finished my PhD dissertation on a big study of the wolves and moose on Isle Royale in Lake Superior, it sort of positioned me to be in in uh, a good. Uh, a good position to start working with wolves as a career, and the federal government hired me then in uh, 1969. And I've been with them for for uh, since then, since 1969. Fifty years! Wow, over fifty years. Yep. So anybody knows wolves, it's you. Um, the folks, by the way, he also authored some great books. Well, the last one he wrote was a, a really fascinating read, Wolves on the Hunt, The Behavior of Wolves Hunting Wild Prey. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, doctor, if I can ask you this, so let's try to get some basics, a uh, basic understanding of wolves, I guess, for the audience, as well as myself. Uh, are there different variation of wolves? Well, there's a lot of, uh, there's actually, uh, science recognizes uh, one species, the gray wolf, and then a second species, the red wolf. Now, uh, just to distinguish, the gray wolf is the one that we're usually, most people hear about. And that's, that was um, distributed, it was, it's the best, uh, uh, it's the most, how do I want to say this, the, the uh, most widely distributed 
uh, land mammal uh, in, in history, I mean, other than the human being. So it occurs throughout the world in the Northern Hemisphere originally from about somewhere, oh, about 10 degrees north of the equator all the way up to the North Pole and all the way around the Earth. And so that's the one that uh, most people know as the as the wolf. That's the one we're talking about. But science knows it as the gray wolf, and scientifically it's Canis lupus. Now there is a red wolf in the southeastern United States, which is uh, somewhat related more to the coyote. And uh, that's not most people don't know much about that animal uh, because it's a more local uh, version. So. When I talk about wolves, I'm talking about the gray wolf, the one that the public knows from various fairy tales and movies and all that stuff. <laughs> yes, Little Red Riding Hood. We'll get to that a little bit later and see what your take is on about society's depiction of wolves. Um, do they, are they um, all over the world, or are they more specific to certain regions? Well, all in, uh, north of north of about ten degrees north latitude, which goes through Mexico City and southern India, so they yeah they are all over the northern hemisphere. Interesting, and those are all about the same. Then they're all the canine lupus. Uh, yeah, they're all the same species, right? Interesting. Did you know? I guess one more question in regards to the the international aspect of wolves. Do the this uh, how would you say depict different behaviors, or even different hunting styles, or anything like that? No, really, they're they're the same animal, and they're the progenitor of the dog, uh, and that, so they're all like uh, you take a wolf, say in um, Canada uh, or Minnesota, whatever, or Alaska. Uh, they hunt animals like moose and deer and musk oxen and you know the the large hoofed mammals, and uh, elsewhere in the world, like on the other side of the world, there's also different kinds of deer and um, elk and that kind of thing. They're called different names, but um, the wolves over there hunt them the same way as the wolves over here hunt our animals. Well, you got a perfect segue, Doc. We're going to head over to the hunting technique of wolves. In your book, you said it's based on the exhaustion of their prey, their greater endurance over that of most, uh, if not all, of the great big game animals is some of their main assets. I guess obviously you're referring to the trying to tire them out. Can you explain that a little bit more? Uh, explain a little bit more of exactly what were you oh, thinking. How do they exhaust the prey? Actually, let's start from the beginning. How do they identify uh, the prey first? Well, uh, <clears throat> the big secret, really, is that they travel so far and wide. They can, they can travel 30, 40 miles in a day. And uh, the reason they have to do that is because even though uh, they live in packs, uh, which are family groups, and therefore there's uh, often, like, especially during winter, several in a group, even though that's the way they travel and hunt, um, the kind of animals that they try to kill have a lot of defenses. And that means that uh, they, they're very da- these animals that the wolves hunt are very dangerous. So, uh, for example, even a deer, which would weigh like a white-tailed deer, which one of the wolves' smaller prey uh, could weigh 100, 100 to 200 pounds, and therefore it's two or three times the, the size of a wolf, uh, even that animal can kill a wolf by striking it uh, either with its antlers, if it's, a, if it's a buck deer, or with its hooves. And we have good records of, of wolves being killed 
uh, even by deer. So then when you take a larger animal like a moose or a, a bison or a muskox and uh, even a big pack of wolves, 10, 15, 20 of them trying to kill one of these animals, they still are in great danger themselves in trying to do so. That means that they have to travel far and wide to try to find one type of these animals that are easier to kill than the others. So what I'm getting at here is that if they come upon, in all their travels, a good, healthy, even a good, healthy deer, which, again, is one of their smaller prey, they usually can't catch it. And even if they try, they might be killed. So what happens is they need to keep traveling around and trying to find one that isn't very powerful, isn't very healthy. It's old, for example, or maybe a real young one, or one that is um, heavily parasitized or something so that it doesn't have as much energy to fight. And when they find one of those, those those are the kind of individuals that they end up killing which then is gives them a better chance of surviving while they're trying to make that kill. Fascinating. And then I guess this is where in the book you talk a lot about their teamwork and their complex strategies. Oh, yeah. Some of them have, they sometimes have strategies. Um, I've seen wolves, <clears throat> for example, um, uh, uh, set up an ambush where some individuals uh, this was in the case of um, Arctic hares. The uh, younger wolves would be chasing the hares, and the older wolves, their parents, would lie in wait. And when the, one of the when one of the hares came running by, uh, the older adult would run up and grab it, ambush it, catch it, and give it to the young one that was chasing it. So they kind of sometimes set up an ambush for them. Wow. So I'm assuming they communicate with each other. How do they communicate? Is it the howling that we've seen? I guess you'll explain more about the howling. How do they communicate to each other? Well, they, you know, we probably, I'm sure we don't know enough about all their communications, but uh, they communicate uh, by sounds. I mean, they make whines and whimpers and they howl and they bark, very much like dogs, really. Uh, the sounds are a little different, but basically we could still describe them as a bark and a howl and, and a whimper and a whine, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, they also communicate with body language and all that. But I think that in, like, in chasing prey, um, they probably more communicate just by watching each other. And as they see an opportunity, uh, they, they grab it, that kind of thing. I don't think that they have uh, signals to each other as to what to do. But I think they'll just learn this uh, by experience. You know, after all, they're hunting day after day after day, so they're pretty good at it. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine so. I I can't imagine they're not lifting one paw up and giving two fingers as a signal (laughs) to move forward or back. Um, Let me ask you this about the wolves. So now you're saying they they could pick up bilingual, which I don't know how much you were aware of this, but... Do they notice when another wolf is in danger in the pack? Let's say they strike an animal and they realize uh, maybe we bit more than we can chew here. Do the other ones pick up on that? Well, yeah, they do. Um, More often it's a matter of um, 
abandoning the uh, the attempt before they get too far into it. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, uh, for example, if they're chasing a moose, and that moose, okay, so the whole pack might be chasing that moose, but if the moose suddenly stops and it starts striking out at the wolves and it stands its ground, it doesn't take the wolves very long to decide that, ah, we better not tackle this one. <laughs> so they t- kind of read the signs of just how that prey animal is behaving. If it's, if it's fighting too hard, standing its ground, that kind of thing, uh, then, they'll, then they'll beg off. If it continues to run, then they will continue to chase it, and you can understand that an animal that's running uh, is not as uh, able to defend itself as easily as one that's standing there and striking at the wolves and, and um, trying to get back at them. So if, if the animal keeps running, that seems to be a sign that it's, it's a good thing to chase it, and those are the ones that end up uh, usually getting uh, attacked and killed. And they typically but I have seen cases where they attacked an animal, wounded it, and couldn't kill it, and then just left it. Uh, but that's not that doesn't happen often. But I have seen it. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, in one case, um, it was a moose, and the whole pack. There were fifteen of them. Oh, wow! Uh, they attacked that animal, made it bleed, wounded it stuck around for several hours and then eventually just abandoned it. And uh, several days later, um, a lone wolf came up and, uh, and killed it. But it was pretty wounded by that time. They typically it'll utilize the, the stalk and ambush type strategy or one or the other? Uh, no, you know, typically it's um, travel around and get a, catch the scent of an animal and then try to sort of sneak up on it. They don't. They don't rush right away when they smell it. You know, they they uh, try to wait until they get within striking distance, and then they rush it. And uh, that initial rush either will cause that animal to run or to stand its ground. And then, as I say, if it runs, then they keep following it and biting, biting at the back end of it, slowing it down. And then if it's a big animal like a moose or even a large elk, um, one wolf often will go around and grab that animal by the nose, get a good big bite on the nose, and they hold that animal then. Uh, That usually stops the the prey animal. And while it's stopped trying to defend itself from this, this wolf that's got it by the nose, the other ones are biting it around the rump, up around the flanks and the rump. And um, then in, with the whole group pulling on it, they often can pull it down and then uh, keep attacking it until they kill it. Amazing stuff. And I know in your book you did a good job of almost, almost quantifying their ability because you, you mentioned they, they, look at a, they have an ability to size up the cost-benefit ratio of each hunt, which is a fascinating way to look now, at it. That's what it amounts to. You know, it's, it's a question of, you know, we need, we need dinner. Is it worth it trying to get it from this animal, or are we going to be? Is it going to be too dangerous for us, and we should go on and find a different one? So that's kind of an assessment of a cost-benefit ratio. Fascinating stuff. And how much does a wolf normally weigh then? 
Well, it depends. Some of them uh, in some areas are, are uh, you know, it varies. But say, for example, now I'm in Minnesota right now. Our wolves in Minnesota, an adult male, um, average adult male would be roughly around 85 pounds, something like that. Oh, wow. A female, a little about uh, 15% lighter. Um, as you go farther north, say into Alaska or mid-Canada, mid uh, then they start running up around, the males be running around uh, maybe 115 pounds, females around 100, something on that order. Then as you go even farther north, they tend to get a little smaller. The wolves in areas uh, like in far south, for example, the Mideast, like Israel, uh, Iraq, Iran, that, uh, those areas, they tend to be smaller, something around 30, 35 pounds or so. Interesting. Now, I'm a professor in forensic psych, and a lot of times we tend to correlate the wolves, either like I was mentioning earlier, with the pro or the good or the bad. Uh, a lot of times they refer to them, uh, re uh, not refer to them, but use an analogy between a criminal and how they stalk their victims looking for the most vulnerable, similar to a wolf, I guess. Uh, what do you think about those analogies? Do they give the public a misperception of the wolf? Well, uh, you know, when you look at it in, in those terms, the, the wolf is really just any, you know, it's an, it's an animal that evolved like every other animal, and it's just trying to gain its, uh, its living that way. When we start thinking in terms of humans, then we start putting, you know, we start making judgments and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, you know, I, I don't think it's proper, for example, to think of a wolf because it tends to kill something to eat, that it, you know, I, I don't think it's proper to see it as a bad animal unless it's taking something you, you, you know, that you treasure yourself, like a cow or, a, or, or something like that. And that's why some people dislike wolves, because sometimes they kill cattle and sheep. And uh, in those cases, why, you know, then, then because we can't tolerate that, I mean, it's a conflict with humans, then that's where the government usually steps in and maybe kills the wolf. But it's not, still not a matter of the animal, the wolf being bad. It's just doing what comes naturally, really. That's a great point. Excellent point. Now we're going to segue for the last few minutes talking about wolves and interacting with humans. I've seen some videos and some individuals that own wolves as pets. Would you advise that, or does it matter? Nope. I, I would not. I would not advise keeping an actual wolf as a pet. Some people do. Uh, I would say if you want a really good wolf-like animal as a pet, get a dog, because that's really uh, a dog is a domesticated wolf, really, and they uh, they have the same behavior. Um, there's really uh, the only real difference between a dog and a wolf is that a you know we bred wolves to become dogs. And uh, they are more trainable, they're more, uh, you can make them behave better than you can a wolf. Um, hmm. If a dog is doing something wrong in the house, you can usually, you know, in some way chastise him or, or punish him or something and, and get him to stop. With a wolf, it's hard to do that. Um, so, but other than that, basically, they're the same animal. You know, if, if you look at the genetics of them, they're almost exactly alike. That's fascinating. I didn't realize they were so similar. 
I guess my second to last question would be, are they dangerous to humans if you bumped into them in the woods? And what would you do if you did see a pack of wolves? Well, most of the time, uh, you wouldn't bump into them because they are afraid of you and they <laughs> run away. Oh, really? Uh, now, there are some exceptions, though. And um, we, we do need to mention that. There's areas in the world, uh, for the more uh, less developed countries than that, for example, India, um, they're in the rural areas, sometimes wolves will uh, actually grab children that are out in the fields and not being watched by their parents, and they'll carry them off and they will actually kill them and eat them. So that does happen. And in North America, uh, in the last 50 years or so, we know of two cases where wolves actually have killed adult humans, and they will eat them. Uh, so that happens, but it's very, very, very rare. And, um, you know, when you think of all the uh, areas of northern uh, part of the U.S. where there's wolves or Alaska or Canada, there's 50 to 60,000 wolves in Canada. Uh, oh, wow. You almost never hear of one killing a person. In fact, as I say, we only know of two cases. And yet people are camping and hunting and fishing, hiking, boating all across Canada and Alaska, northern U.S., and uh, it's very rare for any of them to be attacked by a wolf. So, yes, if you live in the woods and there's wolves out there, watch your grandchildren. Don't just leave them alone to play in the backyard all the time. But um, don't be afraid to be out in the woods yourself. Your chances of being uh, attacked by a wolf is almost zero. Wow, that's good to know. I guess my last question will probably be the toughest one for you. <laughs> Dr. Meach, after 50 years of working with wolves, what was the one thing that surprised you the most that you've discovered over the years? That surprised me the most? Yeah, or you found the most fascinating, however you want to frame that, I guess. What, what, yeah, what surprised me the most is just how much um, wolves have to travel to find an animal they can kill. When I started, uh, most people thought that a pack of wolves could kill just about anything they want. Even even biologists thought that. And um, I found pretty quickly that that isn't true, And but it was quite a surprise to learn that most of the animals they try to kill, they can't. It's only, in fact, the one study I did originally on Isle Royal, I mentioned for my Ph.D., I learned that actually of the moose they try to get in winter, they only are successful about 7% of the time. 7% of the time? Yes, huh? Wow. <laughs> That's a whole different perspective on the wolf. Fascinating indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to enlighten us a little bit about this beautiful animal. Well, you're quite welcome. Uh, quite welcome. Uh, where are you going to be uh, having this podcast? Oh, hold on one second. Let me put that on pause. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to support to support us, share the podcast, and subscribe as we find out some interesting news there about the wolves. Who would have known? I never knew. Have a great one, everyone.